Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 392. My name is Brando. Coming up a little bit later on for Appetite for Discovery, we meet a couple guys from a Bee Gees metal cover band. They're pretty big here, not just here in New York City where they're from, but all over the world. Tragedy. They're going to be touring with Steel Panther this summer and uh, and Disco, the main man, the, the front man. He was also in a Guns N' Roses cover band. So, of course, we will talk about that as well. That is coming up. But first, Phil Campbell of Motorhead. And before I even get to that, I'm going to leave in my mistake. Because I don't know if it's my mistake. So I was told and I announced, if you follow, again, the conversation, I always say this, conversation continues in between the broadcast and social media. I announced uh, Mickey D, the drummer of Motorhead, and that's because that's what the email said. That was what was confirmed. I answered the phone, and oh, I should say I called, and it was Phil Campbell. <laughs> so I, immediately, I'm like, I, does he, this guy think I'm an idiot? No, that didn't happen. But uh, I will. I also want to acknowledge what was supposed to be 20 minutes ended up only being 10 because I I had to call this time. It's not going to be on Zoom like it will be with tragedy coming up. But I had to dial out of the country to the UK, and I apparently haven't done that in a long time that I forgot how to do it. I know there is a country code, but I didn't realize until after the fact because I was scrambling for – you know, nearly half the time trying to dial through and I ended up just holding my cell phone up to the microphone so I apologize if the audio isn't up to our usual standards but gotta make do with what we do but I realized after the fact or I learned or we learned I should say that there's an exit code yeah, there's an exit code then there's an area code a country code an area code ah oh, man the fact that I got Phil Campbell on for 10 minutes I think <laughs> is a miracle so what was supposed to be 20 with Mickey D <laughs> is 10 with Phil Campbell but it was awesome so uh, without further ado here's Phil Campbell of Motorhead hello Brandon hey Mickey how are you this is Phil oh Phil who am I speaking yeah. with who am I speaking with today Mickey D or Phil Campbell Bill Campbell. Oh, I did not know that. Uh, they told me I was speaking with Mickey today, but I'm, I'm excited to talk to you as well. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm obviously really excited to kind of relive the last Motorhead album, uh, Bad Magic, with Seriously Bad Magic, and the two kind of, I don't know if you want to call them new songs, because you worked on them. So what are your thoughts on kind of reliving this album and with the two new songs and new video for Bullet in Your Brain? Uh, well, we look. We had a great. We had a great time doing the album. It, it turned out, unfortunately, it was the the last album. So we had we had a great time. I mean, writing it. We wrote the songs in the studio, so we, we were able to to record all the ideas we had straight away. Like, which is the which is the first for us. We'd always 
previously we we just been in a rehearsal situation and wrote songs. But yeah, yeah, we had a great time doing it, and I then we looked back and we found a few bits and pieces that followed in my brain. I even forgot entirely about that song that we we written now. And then we, then we found uh, another version of, of Till the End with the them greedy bastards lyrics, which are amazing. The, the lyrics and uh, I felt I felt that the, especially now with what's going on, that the lyrics really, you know, cut deep. Yeah, you know, with what many people's opinions of what's going on, especially over here in the UK and that. Like, but, um, yeah, and then we, we thought, why not? We put heroes on, and then the live uh, the live Japanese one. You know, in Fuji, the Fuji Festival, that was fantastic as well. And, uh, you know, and whack it out there again. And, of course, the, the, the other the deluxe ones, you get a Ouija board and stuff. Mm. For those who want to live a bit dangerously. And a big, long interview with Lem. So, um, yeah, it's good. And I thought it was one of our best albums at the time when it, when it came out anyway. So we put it out again. And hopefully it'll create some some interest and some new fans as well, maybe interested in it. So we're really happy with it, you know. It's a good, a great album. <laughs> It, it, it is. Uh, Motorhead lives on. Uh, I, I love it. And yeah, Heroes, the David Bowie uh, cover. If I can ask, though, what is it for like you personally to relive this, especially with the footage? Does it put you back in the studio with Lemmy? Is it cathartic or do you kind of put a, does it put a smile on your face to kind of almost be with Lemmy again? How do you look at it reliving some of this stuff? It's a bit of both. It's a bit of both sometimes. It's- you know, when you can, especially when you can see Lem smiling and joking on any footage, really, that's always nice. Like, and uh, other times, you know, you get a different feeling. Like, you know, you get makes you sad and stuff. But, you know, it's just great to have it out there. You know, and we were like kind of a unique brotherhood together especially the three of us with so many years playing together and uh, you know like I, I can cope with seeing it all again mm. you know because um, there's a lot of a lot of stuff that we do together all the time there's stuff that I wouldn't even or even forgotten about or footage I wouldn't have seen before like so it's all good in the end I guess you know, and it, it's good for the, the fans to see what it was like as well as as, as much as they can see of, of what it what it was like in Motorhead. I mean, nobody will ever know what it was like in Motorhead unless you were actually in Motorhead. But you can get kind of close-ish, I guess, by you know, by what what we put out for people and, and whatever. I agree. Watching the video, it was really cool to see you all in studio together, uh, either laughing or taking things seriously and, and laying down the tracks. It was very special yeah. to see. Um, do you have, cause, and, and forgive me, I know we don't have a lot of time. Um, this is because listeners were excited to hear, you know, they, they love Motorhead, uh, my listeners. So this is from Jeremy. Do you have a funny story 
of Lemmy during this recording session or, or perhaps like the funniest story of Lemmy that when you think about him, it just makes you laugh? I think I think one day he walked in and I had, I had Adam, Adam Jones from Tool. He was playing a guitar solo on one of the tracks, so a bit of fun. The Tool, tool were mixing it in, the, in, the, in the other studio in the, at NRG. So Lem came in, he could use some guitar and he, he came in and he saw it wasn't me there. He saw it was, it was Adam playing and his, his eyebrows just looking up to me, his eyebrow raised up like a like a kind of Roger Moore thing, like uh said, what's going on here? So, uh, he knows Adam anyway, you know, he, he likes Adam. He liked like Adam. Hmm. And, uh, he just he was just a bit confused I think uh, at that time. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I, I also want to ask, because the name of the podcast is Appetite for Distortion, Guns N' Roses themed, and I know you guys are good buddies with Slash. You played Coachella together a few years ago, so I was hoping perhaps you could talk about your friendship with Slash, what he meant to Motorhead, and obviously him and Lemmy were close friends, and perhaps any other uh, GNR connections that you might have. Um, yeah, well, I, for, for a while, I... I I lived with Matt Sorum anyway in Hollywood. I lived with Matt for a, for a while. And Matt, Matt drummed with us. When, right. Um, when Mickey when went to do the, uh, went to the jungle, well, one of them jungle reality programs. Right. So Matt kindly did, uh, he came out and played for two weeks with us in North America. So that, that was great. But I think the first time we met Slash, and that was, I think, Slash and a couple of the guys came to in the they came to our studio when we were recording Orgasmatron in London. I think that was the very first time. Okay. We met the guys and we've been bumping into them ever since, you know, and Slash has played with us on probably on stage maybe on a dozen occasions. Steps toured with us with loaded. I played with Slash's band you know, on stage and me and the bastard sons we toured with Slash and everything. So there's a lot, a lot of connections there. You know, mutual respect. You know, they are they are amazing band Guns and Roses. You know, they're one of the one of the best, unique. Was it cool? Was it was it cool for you to play with with Matt Sorum? Because I believe uh, Lemmy told Matt that Dave Grohl was not available. That's why they got Matt Sorum, and Matt he he didn't realize how tough Mickey's parts were. So, um, what did you think of playing with Matt Sorum for a couple of weeks? Was it was it fun? Oh, he was great. He was great. We had one one rehearsal at the nine thirty club the day before. We were going to play the nine thirty club. It's in Baltimore, right? I think somewhere down over there. Okay. And um, yeah, we we just had four or five hours rehearsal, like, and Matt just nailed it. He, he nailed it so so well. He, he he loved it. He loved that two weeks out with us. Very cool. But unfortunately, yeah, the Canadian, the Canadian, we had the Canadian gig, but um, he was. He wasn't sure if he if he would get arrested, man. If if he went to Canada, but he was willing to give it a go. But I think his his manager advised him not not to, just in case. So we had our drum tech uh, Francis Ruiz, who was playing um, 
who's Francis he's playing with a, a Blackstone Cherry now okay band, yeah so Francis played with us one show then then when we came back into North America Matt Matt picked up the, the, the stool again like but it was, it was great fun Right on. And uh, I, I know we got to go in a minute and uh, apologies for not t- uh, dialing the UK correctly, but I'm glad I got you, Phil. I, I just want to okay. say uh, bullet in your brain, the video and your guitar work. The song is as good as anything you've done. It's just an incredible song. The fact that this has been we haven't heard it until now, but I'm glad that we finally get to kind of relive this moment with you, uh, Mickey and and Lemmy. So uh, just just thanks for keeping Motorhead's name alive. Uh, thanks. Yeah, yeah we, we intend to. You know, we were, uh, we had a real kind of unique band. We had a hell of a, hell of a ride. And anything that we can find, you know, which people would walk out to, we're going to give it to them. You know? Well, I'm definitely, because um, my wife and I are, are due in April, and I'm going to get him a Motorhead onesie. So I'm letting you know that. <laughs> well thank yeah. you so much Phil I hope we get to do this again okay yeah, yeah it's been a pleasure thanks have, have a great day you too take care thank you so much thank you so that was fun hopefully next time we can get phil on for longer or perhaps interview mickey d (laughs) like it was initially scheduled but all things considered that was a a fun interview and now we move towards the second part of the episode we have a segment called appetite for discovery where we talk about music and bands that perhaps you may not know here on this uh, GNR-centric podcast. So we'll be speaking with uh, Mo Royce and Disco Mountain Man of the Bee Gees metal cover band, Tragedy. And I'll just apologize in advance for... I will probably mess up and say my cat's name, GB, (laughs) by accident. But anyway, Appetite for Discovery on Appetite for Distortion. Rather than just throwing a bunch of songs together that we think are fun, we're going over it, you know, with a fine-tooth comb and just working on everything to try. That's the goal. Very appetite. For Discovery. And now it is time for Appetite for Discovery, where in this Appetite for Distortion, world a band that maybe you don't know but you should and here living in new york and you know what shame on me uh well i know if you're looking at this on zoom i want to make sure that cornmo we know goes by disco mountain man that's the lead singer of uh of tragedy and then we got mo rice right i'm getting it right this time or kind of like rolls royce mo royce i'm gonna more rolls royce I mean, I'll, I'll more get that. Rolls Royce than Rolls Royce. More Roy- <laughs> Okay, there you go. More Royce, uh, singer and uh, guitarist from uh, from Tragedy. And if you're not familiar, they have they are a. Uh, oh, this is something else I will apologize for if I screw this up. I have a cat named GB. You guys are a Bee Gees metal cover band. So if I screw up the letters. It's because I'm thinking of my cats. <laughs> uh, Bee Gees, all metal, and, and obviously a lot of disco and, and, and uh, different kinds of music, but cover band out of New York City. And I've heard about you guys for so many years. Shame on me for still, it's going to change after this interview, not having seen you, but you guys have made a name for yourself in New York City. So before we go anywhere else, uh, welcome Disco and uh, Mo Royce. Uh, welcome to the uh, Appetite for Distortion show. Thank you. Great to be here. 
Where are you guys located? Disco looks like he's uh, in a library, and Mo, you look like you're in, the, you know, an evil church. I'm just. This is my living room. I like it. Skull. This is yep. Middle room of my uh, long apartment. Of your long apartment. This is the middle of my railroad apartment. Right on. Well, it's it is really cool to have you guys on because uh, I know he won't listen to this, but my friend Sean years ago remember me. Uh, I remember him telling me about this band Tragedy. I need to check them out. But with my job in radio, I'm always working nights, so it's hard. Uh, to to kind of always go out at night, but uh, this interview interview opportunity came up, and I'm like, you know what? If I can't see them yet, I got to speak to them and know more about how they got into this world of cover songs and going viral, covering Greece and the new album that's coming out. That's all dedicated to some of the greatest uh, female vocalists of all time. So, did you two start the band? Who started uh, Tragedy? How did we get here? Well, I started it with a guy who's no longer in the band, but with uh, Barry Glibb. Um, but then Disco Mountain Man was on the first album uh, for uh, he, he sang Shadow Dancing um, and then joined the band full time. I think it was by the third album, right? Uh, Death to False Disco Metal. Yes. Um, yeah. So it started it and it really started as just a we thought and everybody thought was just a really stupid ill-advised joke um but then we started working on the music and started playing some shows and we found it very inspiring uh it like the creative juices just got flowing and then audiences really really dug what we were doing too it is really fun and it's clever and that's why you guys are going to be out on tour this year with steel panther kind of like another what do you prefer like is it a parody band because you guys are obviously really talented real musicians but you're covering there's a shtick to it what do you like to be kind of coined as um i don't think of us as parody necessarily that we're comedy it's it's comical Mm -hmm. um but then sometimes it's not comical at all. Um, I don't know. It's just a it's a, just a very showy, glammy kind of uh, eye popping, ear busting kind of show. And Mo, I guess how did you get into it? Because obviously you're you're talented, you're a musician. But what made? I mean, was that always kind of the vision to do a comedy band, or did you want? Were you writing your own music? Like, how did this? kind of develop like i'm gonna do because you mentioned it's kind of a joke at the beginning and it's not now because it's very successful but when when did you realize like you know what this gb's metal band or bg i, I did it ah, <laughs> i did go. it i did it <laughs> this uh bg's uh cover band this metal band is uh is just like it's 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 connecting with people i could something's coming from this yeah, so I was always, I never played in a cover band or tribute band or anything before this. You know, I just always, uh, you know, wrote my own music and everything. Um, but was also kind of doing like a, a very glammy kind of show. Um, and uh, yeah, this, I mean, like initially, we just thought it would be funny and maybe, you know, kind of stupid thing, stupid fun for a couple shows, right? Um, but then, yeah, it kind of took over. 
We, um, and Disco Mountain Man too does. He's got amazing original music and still still does it. Thankfully, because it's fantastic. Well, thank you. Okay, well, you're definitely going to need to talk about that. And uh, if you're watching this, because we're here heard on iHeartRadio and all the usual podcast platforms, but obviously you can watch this on YouTube. Mo, I don't know if you've ever gotten, at least with your current getup, you look like uh, Rain Wilson from The Rocker. You know, Dwight Schrute from The Office. That, sure. <laughs> at least from what I'm looking at, I, at least in that movie, The Rocker. I don't know if you, you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a comedy. Yeah, I mean, it, look, everybody everybody wants to be tragedy. Everybody's trying to look like us, sound <laughs> like us, you know, trying to do Bee Gees covers and stuff like that. But, you know, good luck. <laughs> what can I say? What about you, Disco? I mean, I'm, I'm a little jealous of your beard. I'm starting to get a little bit more gray to show that I'm a, more of a mountain man and not just a Queens man. But how do they find you? Are there, is there Disco in the mountains? Like, how, do they, uh, how do they find you and how did you connect with, uh, with Mo? Well, I knew Mo uh, back when he was in Moi. And uh, I, I was a part of a collective called the Good Bad Art Collective in Brooklyn. And we booked shows there. And so I, I saw, I saw Mo Royce in a band called Double Dong and Wild Licks that opened for David Cross at Irving Plaza, and me and my friends just said we got to know this band. <laughs> so I introduced myself to him, and then uh, yeah, then we connected, and our bands played together, and we just became friends. And then I then. First tragedy album, he asked me to sing uh, the Andy Gibbs song, uh, Shadow Dancing. And that was my foot in the door with the tragedy. How, I mean, with the, the Bee Gees, they are such a legendary band with a legendary sound. Obviously, you're not singing exactly like them. You're doing your own metal way. But is there any sort of trepidation with that? Because you can't screw that up i mean it's you have to pay homage to the talent uh, that they were but also at the same time make it your own was there any sort of nerves going into it or was it just this is just a fun gig and i'm not really thinking too too much about singing you know singing the gibbs singing their part because they're you know voices of all time you know we really take it upon ourselves to reinvent everything um we try to stay true to the spirit of of the original song and stuff like that but um uh we don't really try to imitate the the bg's singing necessarily i mean every once in a while we'll we'll whip out some (laughs) kind of thing but uh yeah you know our, our our vision is to take all that disco and soft rock and turn it into hot molten metal. <laughs> what about some of your, uh, both of you, your influences uh, growing up? Was it that the kind of the 80s hair metal era or am I uh, not thinking, am I pointing in the wrong direction? What was your some of your influences? So for me, uh, really all over the place, um, I, I was exposed to Bee Gees and disco from my uh, older sister's bedroom. You know, she was uh, a, a big uh, Andy Gibb fan. Um, uh, but that's, you know, real early on. And then when I got to be a, a teenager and I started playing guitar, 
guitar and my own band. I was really into punk rock and hardcore and stuff like that. But then I was constantly rebelling against my own tastes um, and rebelling against what my friends were into and stuff like that. So um, like so many people who love music, you just start listening to everything and absorbing it all. Um, So, you know, while I was kind of in a punk rock music scene as a teenager, I was also uh, taking in some hair metal and a lot of classic rock and stuff like that. And and then one of my earliest passions was for music from the 50s. When I was nine years old, I started collecting, you know, 45s that I get at garage sales and just got got into everything like that. And it's kind of interesting to me that, like, you know, the the source music we do is really from the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and a lot of our audience wasn't born then um and uh, people are curious about that but the thing is that like people who have, love music whether you're a music, musician or not people get curious about all the music that came before and so that's why this works and will work for eternity mm. And that's why I love it because I'm kind of on the because on I'm a child of the '80s and, and, and '90s, but I, I gravitate a lot towards the '70s and '60s and '50s because of my parents, and they're the ones who got me into the Bee Gees. Uh, even when it wasn't cool growing up, I still liked the Bee Gees. They were next to you know Guns N' Roses and, and Megadeth in my playlist. Got the Bee Gees and Boys to Men or whatever. I can uh, I can bend the uh, bend the other way. What about you, Disco? When did you uh, realize you had the the set of pipes that you you have? Like, were you, were your influences, some of your early, maybe favorite lead singers? Oh, David Lee Roth, for sure. I, I had a friend send me a cassette tape of the Us Festival when I was in ninth grade. And it was, uh, one side was Van Halen's performance. The other side was the Scorpions. So I immediately took to Klaus Mina and, uh, David Lee Roth. And then, uh, I had a metal band in high school and, I was really that, that was about the time that David Lee Roth after he left Van Halen and I loved that first album that he did and then I got into Freddie Mercury he's probably like the pinnacle of front men um, and I loved Vince Neil I I uh, I I yeah his voice is his voice is like the quintessential hair metal voice for me mm-hmm. David Lee Roth is like different totally separate from everything he's he's a brilliant singer and freddie mercury's same just he's totally different and I, I love paul stanley's voice and uh yeah uh yeah i sort of call from those greats into my into my singing and uh and i i and I'm into some like classical singers as well, like uh, Dietrich Fischer Dieskau and uh, 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 Peter Thiel. Uh, not Peter Thiel. That's the that's the wrong wrong guy. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Anyway, Herman Pry. I like yeah tenors. Right on. And, uh, yeah. Right on. Yeah, Van Halen, Van Halen, and Queen probably the best bands that I love. And gun, you know, I love. Axl Rose's voice as well. 
and we're going to get into because you were in a uh, Guns N' Roses cover band at one point. Of course, that's the the six degrees of GNR Bacon, as I like to call it on this on this podcast. Uh, before I lose it, Mom, because I'm curious, because uh, you said you opened up for David Cross, the comedian. Um, yeah. What is he like? Because I'm I'm a f- huge fan. It's I'm actually rewatching the whole Breaking Bad, Better Call Saul thing. So I think I'm like Bob Odenkirk. I remember him from Mr. Show with Bob and David, you know, all these years ago. So I think it's really cool when comedians uh, get bands to open up for them. It's become more. I don't know. It's become more of like accepted. You see like Jim Brewer do that. You see a lot of other types of. Um, comedians pair up with bands so i guess how how is he in person is he funny uh or is he like does he shut it off off Uh, does he shut it off when he comes off stage what is he like man i used to i used to see him a lot but this is quite some time ago now this is in the early early 2000s um and i haven't seen him in a, a good 15 years but uh he was very he was kind of normal and nice which is refreshing i mean he's a funny guy but he is just he's a really nice guy and he was uh, very supportive of my band double dong and wild lick so that was cool and that that show he did um yeah i guess it, it was i think he had really kind of made a name for himself with mr show and put together the this night um and uh it was a bunch of comedians and i think that there was another band that played as well but yeah it was really cool and it, it was funny too because i think i'd heard of shows in the 70s where rock bands would have comedians open for them and it was pretty funny to to be a band opening for a comedian but it totally worked it was super fun I would like to see more of that because you go back into into the days of like the Catskills. I'm not old enough to actually know this, but I know that you would have um, comedians open up for bands. It would be vice versa. But I, I just think it, it's cool because I look at David Cross as like a rock and roll comedian. And if you have a band like yours that is very talented, but also has the comedy aspect of it, it just really meshes well together uh and that's why you and steel panther are going to mesh well together on tour uh tell me about the new album where you pay homage to the uh the better sex i mean it's just it's oh my wife isn't here anymore oh you have the cover art right i am woman yeah oh i like that yeah Uh, a devil woman in bikini with six arms is that the vinyl is that what we can pre-order this is the vinyl yeah Awesome. So what, you got Aretha Franklin uh, cover on there. You have a few singles out now. Uh, tell me, uh, videos, I should say, as well. Tell me what's going on with, uh, with I Am Woman that comes out uh, March, March 3rd, so soon. Yeah. Yeah, we're real proud of this album. We spent a long time. We spent a year and a half making this album. Wow. Um, and so it's all, uh, the, the source material is all uh, songs made famous by female artists. Um, and we've done that before, uh, not a whole album like that, but we've done songs like that before. And, you know, a whole idea with tragedy is flipping the script on things. Right. Um, you know, doing disco and soft rock is heavy metal. Right. And then here we are a bunch of guys doing songs by, by women and, you know, uh, it, uh, that just kind of, 
it's inspiring for us creatively and i think it's inspiring uh for audiences like it kind of opens up parts of your mind and parts of your heart and soul that uh that you know you don't get get uh reached um so yeah it's a what do we have uh the freak i will survive shebop uh memory from cats lay all your love on me uh by abba you know so it's like uh then the the album cover kind of represents like all these different themes in the album um and you know the title track i am woman is of course a, an, an empowerment song but uh you know uh it's not like the whole album is an empowerment album it's it's about all these different aspects of a woman's life you know partying and romance <laughs> and i don't know what that disgusting baby lance is doing on the cover i'm not sure what that represents but it's there <laughs> wait and she's a warrior too because she's totally metal uh, that's true and and lance if you go on your website let's make tragedy happen uh, com, he's listed as towel boy complete idiot um can we expand on that <laughs> oh god <laughs> Uh, he, yeah. I mean, we need someone, we, we get, we get moist, right? On stage. So we needed someone to tell us off between songs. And then this guy just like, he inserts himself into the show and he thinks he's part of the band and stuff, but whatever. <laughs> Fucking guy. <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, I understand then uh, a <laughs> complete idiot uh, next to him. And I love this. Andy, give you a waning uh, and then give you an uh, ass freely. Also uh, members of the band who are not here in the infernal Demi Gib. I really appreciate that. I pronounce all those right, by the way. I probably know. yeah, basically, basically, sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm a professional. I I swear. Uh, <laughs> so let, let me ask Disco because uh, obviously appetite for distortion. What is your history with um, in the GNR cover band? Were you also were you the Axel of that band? Yeah. So they were called uh, uh, Mr. Brownstone, and they they put themselves out as the drunkest GNR band. And the singer was also in a band called Clap Your Hands Say Yeah. So when he was touring with them, they would call me to fill in. Hmm. And I I would drink with them. And sometimes I remember one time they had me sit in as the uh, Shannon Hoon. And I I got really drunk because they had Jack Daniels backstage and I had the greatest time. And then at the end of the night, one of the guy, the Izzy said, Hey, isn't it great that we did this whole show sober? (laughs) And I was the only drunk one and I felt really out of place. (laughs) But, um, it was a lot of, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it's, it, those songs are really hard to sing of course, because it's Axl Rose. Um, but they're, yeah, they're a fun band. They're a really fun band. And I met Axl Rose at a party once and my ex-girlfriend was an aerialist and she was, uh, I did a show at Ars Nova theater and she texted me and said, Hey, I'm at this place called show. It's gone now, 
but it was an after party for uh, Victoria's Secret something. And so I went to meet her there and it was the after after party, the backstage party. And Axel Rose was there and I said, hey, I was I couldn't talk to my girlfriend at the time. I was totally preoccupied because I couldn't stop staring at Axel sitting alone. And then she goes, well, why don't you go talk to him? So I walked over and I said, hey, I saw you in 93 at, at uh, Texas at uh, 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 at the Cotton Bowl mm. in Texas in 93. No, yeah, with uh, with Metallica. And that was that was amazing. And you're I and I and he said, thank you. And that was it. I was so nervous. I walked away. Mm-hmm. And then there was somebody walking around with champagne that was free. So I was pounding champagne and the uh, bubbles and the alcohol that gets you drunk pretty quick. So I had a little more fortitude. And so I walked back over and you know, when you're drunk and you have that voice in the back of your head, that's sober telling you how to which way to go and the drunk part of you ignores it well the back part of my head was saying don't ask about chinese democracy (laughs) ask about chinese democracy and my mouth just went hey so when's chinese democracy coming out (laughs) i heard the sober part of my head screaming like what the fuck is wrong with you (laughs) he was really nice he was like well uh they're gonna put out um, a greatest hits to see how it does and then after that they'll assess and see if, if uh, they want to put out Chinese democracy oh wow and then me and sober me just <laughs> went that was so practical <laughs> and then I was I was a little nervous and I said hey I sing in a band called Mr. Brownstone sometimes man it's so hard to sing your songs and then we just started hanging out and he started talking about uh, uh, how Stephanie Seymour fucked up. Mm-hmm. And and he talked about the first time he came to New York and the Penn brothers got a limo and showed him around New York City. And he had an assistant with him who was really kind. And we were just hanging out. And there was a magician that was hired to do close-up magic, you know, walk around close-up magic. And he interrupted us, and I was like, "Oh, here it comes! I'm going to see the Axl Rose where he blows his blows his lid." And the guy was like, "Hey, do you guys want to see a magic trick?" And he was like, "Yeah, sure." He was so nice, hmm. he was so nice. And he goes, "Okay, what's your name?" And I I said, "John." And he goes, "Okay, John, hold out your hand." And he goes, "What's your name?" And he goes, "Axel." And he goes, "Okay, Ax, hold out your hand." And he was so nice so nice and then i got a photo with him and that was it well that's cool man that's a nice little axel rose story i didn't know about that and what i like is because usually when i ask about axel whether it's somebody who like you who just meets him once you know a fan or somebody who's worked with him i don't hear bad things about the guy i really don't it's not just me being a, a an uber fan i i'm not a 
I'm not naive. You know, everyone has their faults, but I mean, I always hear that about people who meet Axel. Like he was just so nice, but I was waiting to see this other person that the media portrays. So it is that is cool, especially with the magi- <laughs> the magician. Oh my God, so many things can go wrong. And asking about Chinese democracy, so many things can go wrong, and nothing did. So that's that's a cool story. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, and I would be remiss because uh, also on this whole episode we had Phil Campbell on earlier. Mo, you said you have a a Phil story. Oh, so um, I, I've seen Motorhead twice in my life. One once when I was a little kid, maybe fourteen or something like that, and then another time uh, we played a, a festival. We're on the same stage as them in the UK. Both were the the loudest concerts I've ever been to. Hmm. Uh, first one was in a gymnastics hall in Madison, Wisconsin, and I got in the front row. I stood there right in front of Phil Campbell. And I, it was so weird to me because like Lemmy and the other guys in the band, they looked so rough <laughs> and Phil was all shampooed and had this <laughs> shiny new Les Paul and he was playing and he kept on winking at me. He was playing. It's like, that's really weird, but uh, okay. I love this experience. It was so, it was so insane. So then, you know, decades later, playing this uh, festival and we get to be um, on the stage side of the barricade because uh, we're artists and go there and stand over by Phil again. And I swear to God, you know, same thing, looking great, shampooed, shiny Les Paul, and he's winking at me again. That's my Phil Campbell story. <laughs> you never asked him why he was winking? Did he think? Like, no, I never got to talk to him. Oh. I, I, I think he may just kind of wink. And I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I stole that move. <laughs> I love doing some licks and and doing some winks. Doing some winks. It's a hot look. <laughs> That's true. The wink is very underrated. Hey, no, I, yeah. I, hey, I appreciate that. I like those also those random stories that that mean something to like you as a fan, right? But it seems so nonsensical. Like, why would Phil remember that? You know, like little things like that that happen all the time. Like uh, when I met Jim Brewer, and, and this sounds weird. And Jim Brewer, speaking as I mentioned him earlier, in uh, the Sirius XM bathroom stall. But not like, you know, a George Michael kind of story. He was just like, after work, I'm at one urinal, he's at the other. And I'm like, you know, I'm peeing next to Jim Brewer. This is the highlight of my career. And he was, ah, in his stupid Jim Brewer laugh, whatever. And so that's, that makes, you know, those are stories that make me laugh. So I appreciate that. Not as, you know, um, one-on-one as disco with Axel, but uh, nevertheless entertaining regardless. So you guys excited for the tour? I know you guys are going. You're playing our neck of the woods, right? Soon, Irving Plaza with uh, with Steel Panther. Fifteenth, right? Yeah, I want to say March sixteenth at Irving Plaza, but yeah, we're doing six weeks um, across the U.S. with Steel Panther and Crowbot. Super excited for that, and then we're home for a few days, and then we go overseas, uh, tour the U.K. and Spain and France. Portugal. Wow. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a relatively quiet three years. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, you know, we were touring very consistently, especially overseas uh, before the pandemic, and uh, then yeah, since then it's been, you know we've done some regional touring and played in Canada and stuff like that. But now we're out there, like uh, you know, first half of the year we're going to be on the road almost the the entire time. 
That's awesome. And because even though we're all New York based with this podcast, I am global. I'm so lucky that I have listeners all over. Like you mentioned, Portugal and uh, France. I, I, I mean, there's GNR fans everywhere. For whatever reason, they find this podcast and they become fans of this podcast. So that's why it's exciting that you're not just a local NYC band, that you are global. Uh, that people that listen to this podcast can see you wherever they are in the world. I mean, that must just blow your mind to kind of, you know, put a bookend on our conversation here that this, what started as you thought would maybe be a joke. Now you're touring the world and, you know, going viral and, you know, albums with, uh, you know, they're selling well. I mean, did you ever expect this to happen from this uh, Bee Gees metal band? You know, at the beginning when it was just a concept and it was a concept on paper, you know, before we got our first gig. Um, no, we, we thought we'd play a couple shows and, and it might be super fun. Uh, but I, I got to say, like, as soon as we started, made a couple of demos and played even our just our first show is like, wow, this is really connecting. Um in a creative way and connecting with audiences and it actually took off pretty fast Mm. um and yeah we put out our first album i think just within a few months uh after the band started and we're playing to big audiences like you know doing support shows and mostly in, in new york city at the time and then within a year we were touring in the uk for the first time so it, yeah it, it it accelerated accelerated really fast but yeah it went from like simply dumb concept to you know international stardom well that that is it's really cool like what you guys do is, is really cool and unique and, and special and that's why you've been successful and i'm looking forward to hearing because i with the, the with the singles where you have venus out right now there might be another track if there's a video for it but i'm looking forward yeah. to hearing the uh, the whole album because it's just a lot of fun i mean these are songs that i like maybe they're guilty pleasures to some but the fact that you metal them up almost gives you like a pass oh i can enjoy this song but i enjoy it regardless i like the original and what you guys do with it so uh, just keep doing what you, you're you can doing. Come into it, you can come into it loving the original or hating the original, but right. we're we're, we're going to reinvent it and uh, give uh, give you a whole fresh take on it. Oh, I love it. So if, if people want to check out, see where uh, tragedy is in your neck of the woods, your neck of the globe, uh, just go to the uh, the website, right? Let's make tragedy happen dot com and Facebook yeah. and Twitter and Instagram. We have all of those. We have all those things tiktok or no smash that that like button oh. <laughs> smash it do you guys have a tiktok yet or no yeah okay i mean we're hardly ever on there but but we're there okay yes. smash that like button yeah me too <laughs> smash it good <laughs> well thank you uh mo royce and uh, disco mountain man from tragedy thank you so much for your time today and I'll, i'm sure i'll see you on the road because you guys have obviously had a name in new york city for quite a long time so uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys live and hearing more of your music. So uh, until Cheers. next time. It's great talking with you. You got yeah, it. Thanks. Those were cool guys. Really, really fun to talk to them. And an unexpected Axel story. Sometimes I will just set them up being like, hey, so didn't so-and-so happen? And just let them tell the story. Had no idea. Just knew he was in a GNR cover band. And uh, just a, a great story that came out of nowhere. 
That's kind of the the point of this podcast, these Guns N' Roses stories that come out of nowhere. <laughs> so that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. What is to come? Well, of course, the conversation always continues in between the broadcasts, and that's how you find out about guests. That's how you can submit questions or possibly be a co-host. I will let you know coming back on the podcast is Lauren Monroe and her husband, Rick Allen, of Def Leppard. So they will be coming back on. They're doing a really cool event, fundraising event with Matt Sorum. We'll see if we get Matt Sorum back on the podcast. He's supposed to. He's supposed to, but we'll see. Just kind of got to sit and wait. And it just reminded me doing that interview with Phil Campbell is exactly how I did my first Matt Sorum interview for different reasons with Matt. I was forced to work from home at the beginning of COVID and had no setup like I do now. So all I could do, and I was not going to let a Matt Sorum interview opportunity pass me by, whatever I was going to do, no matter what the quality. So I held up my phone to my microphone, which is exactly what I did now (laughs) all these years later. But this was just kind of out of desperation and just knowing I had a short window uh, to get it otherwise you know i'm like oh well we'll figure it out that happens with some guests eh, you know i'm here all day no worries hey i'm gonna be late so and so those things happen but this was a a specific window that i needed to get it done um, and i got it done so hopefully you enjoyed that despite the technical difficulties also a, a heads up um it's just funny to talk about but it's right around the bend i'm gonna have a sweet child of mine april 27th or that's the the due date and believe me, many of my friends have already said, I hope he's a week early, <laughs> 420. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, but, but regardless, so obviously around that time, I'm not going to be doing episodes. Unless it's like, you know, hey, hey Axel Rose uh, wants to be interviewed by you, which is not going to happen. I will hold my a crying baby on my chest, you know, a pooping crying baby, and we'll do whatever it takes to get Axel or Slash or Duff or certain people like that. But otherwise... I might have to schedule interviews when I can, when my wife is home and she could watch the baby. Or, you know, if he's quiet, if he's a quiet baby, I'm going to have him on my lap, baby Brownstone, doing interviews. That's going to be part of my shtick. So if you like the shtick I've been doing so far, minus my future baby co-host, just continue to follow and support on social media. I'm going to be still active on there when I take that little bit of a hiatus uh, to be a dad for the first time. And uh, you could always make a donation as well to help me pay for diapers. I do have a registry up. I'm going to post that again soon on our, my social media where you can buy, you know, uh, we've had friends and family buy us all the, you know, certain baby stuff. But me, I'm like, just diaper fund because I'm going to be on diaper duty, pun intended. Since I work from home, I'm going to be with the baby most of the time. So I'm going to be elbow in it in, in, in the poop all your parents are probably laughing at me knowing what uh, i'm going to experience um so yeah so if you want to help me pay for diapers you could do that you know i've had listeners just make donations to the podcast out of the kindness of their heart on paypal or or patreon or youtube you could do that super like or super thanks you could do it that way uh just reach out you know if there's a you have baby advice the AFD show at gmail.com, but I'll be taking a break. That'll be coming up. But again, still interviews to get to before April 27th. Okay? So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. When will you see the next one? In the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it 
I don't know if soon is the word. Security, I'm going home.